0: Welcome, and thank you for joining the Unbiased Label podcast, where we believe labels belong on clothes, not people. On this podcast, we have real talk focused on all things fashion and culture with a critical global perspective at the intersection of industry and academia. I'm your host, Zara Karutz, and I launched Unbiased Label after earning my master's in fashion critical studies from Central Saint Martins in London. I'm now a PhD fashion studies researcher at Massey University, and I'm obsessed with pushing boundaries by holding deep conversations with meaning. Some people associate fashion with words like vapid or shallow. But really, fashion is a visual and material reflection of society, and it's a complicated system of communication. It shapes belonging, identity, and emotions. On this podcast, we believe fashion holds a lot of power that can create change towards a more equitable world, all while still having fun and being creative.
1: Charles invited me on board to design and make these Wedgwood armor pieces, and the whole kind of concept behind the show, These New Caroleans for Charles was really investigating and looking at what does it mean to have a king, what does it mean to have this new King Charles be British, and to kind of subvert that a little bit, to make it almost a coronation for everyone, to be focused on community, so not about one kind of figure, but to be kind of a coronation for all in a way, and a celebration of everyone's kind of identity. Mm-hmm.
0: This episode is a conversation with David Curtis Ring, an artist based in London. He specializes in creating set design and sculpture for installation, film, and performance. David is best known for his fashion collaborations with Craig Green, the CP Company, and most recently Charles Jeffrey. Spring Summer 24 collection was a preview to the Charles Jeffrey Loverboy and Wedgwood collaboration. On the runway, we saw David's show-stopping garments that were suits of armor, meticulously handcrafted from upcycled Wedgwood Jasperware. David's work has appeared all over, including Vogue, GQ, Dover Street Market, and Harrods. While other collaborations include work with Pink Floyd, Nick Knight, Adidas, Champion, and Montclair. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. It's so great to have you in New York City.
1: It's a pleasure to be here.
0: We're in the studio. Yeah. You're visiting.
1: Yeah, I am, yes. I'm here for the CP Company launch of their exhibition, which is an archive exhibition celebrating the goggle jacket, which is their kind of iconic signature kind of piece. So I was invited by them to design an installation to commemorate the origins of that jacket, which was for the Mil Milia race, Massimo Osti design jackets that would be worn by the drivers as they were racing through the Italian countryside.
0: And Massimo was an incredible person. Yes. yes. From a design standpoint, he was a graphic artist. Yep. Then he had his ad agency and then he got into clothing which was very innovative. Mm, yes. And he also was founder of Stone Island. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 It's really interesting to see his kind of attention to detail and to fabric experimentation, mixing that with Italian workwear and which especially for the time was really sort of innovative and maybe we're more used to kind of seeing that now, but for the time it was really a pioneer of that industry.
0: So let's start with a little bit about your background.
1: So I grew up in Birmingham from a very sort of working class family. My dad's car mechanic, or was a car mechanic. My mum was a special education support assistant. And then I moved to London to study at Goldsmiths and I studied fine art textiles.
0: Goldsmiths is so fantastic in having Mm. this cross interdisciplinary lens of Mm. bringing in sociology and
1: philosophy. It's certainly integrated into kind of the the DNA of that university. You think beyond the literal or the, the obvious and you're really encouraged to look at the references you're using, the images you're using, the associations that might be there that you didn't necessarily realize at first and really to be conscientious and consider your choices, both in terms of concept and sort of context for your work, but also for choice of materials, choice of very practical things as well, and how that speaks to the ideas that you're trying to convey. So yeah, that was a really good grounding for my work that, that came later. And from there, I started assisting different set designers and art directors. And um, that's how I kind of came into that world of a sort of fashion and theatre and, and music video, really, was from, from assisting and just building my own portfolio off of that, you know, like from people I'd met or connections I made. I would do sort of passion projects and, and gradually build sort of a name for myself that way.
0: Set designers are the unsung heroes, like makeup artists and hairstylists, yeah. because the runway show, it's the fashion of course, yeah. but this yeah. set is crucial.
1: Yeah, it can create an atmosphere, it can create a real tone or environment for contextualizing everything else you know so and it is really important and i think it is perhaps uh overlooked a little bit i think for sure. take
0: it for yeah. granted yeah, I, I feel because so. we just yeah. expect it we're like oh that's there totally we, we yeah. don't think yeah. about like oh someone designed this there was a storyline yeah completely so what is that Process of creating for you? I mean, there has to be a narrative, a dialogue. It
1: all depends on the project, you know. But usually it's really important for me to understand the themes of the project, if it's a fashion show, to, to understand what are we trying to say? Like, is there a story? Is there a history that we want to draw on? Is there existing imagery that we can kind of speak to and create a dialogue with? So a couple of things I think is how do I want people to feel when they see it? And how is it going to look in photos and videos, you know? So, like, what is the kind of legacy of it? You know, especially now in an age where so many people experience the work we do or or visual culture through social media or, you know, like YouTube or TikTok even, you know, which is great because it's open to so many more people than it was maybe like 30 years ago. But yeah, it's also a consideration because in a way that's just as important as the the life now is is how it's remembered, Mm. how it exists digitally.
0: (laughs) Very deep. I see your work as having a lot of personality and it's very bold. (laughs) You do not tiptoe around (laughs) things. You're not subtle, David. (laughs) You've done a lot of work with many designers, but you have a lot of repeat work.
1: So I think it's something that I enjoy is building a relationship, a, you know, a working kind of language with designers and, and creatives because you start to understand what the story is that they are trying to tell, mm. you know, and um, and respond to that. And it's, it's a really lovely kind of exchange and kind of um, almost like a dance, you know, I really, I really love that. You
0: have a lot of movement in your creations. I call them creations because yeah. I know they're installations and you're sure. an artist and you're a sculptor. Yeah. You're a creative polymath in that sense <laughs> yeah. but there are creations nonetheless no matter how they manifest mm. into form but there's a theme of movements to me that's a very signature when I look at your work that's physical or the image afterward is showcasing the movement it's not mm. static it's interesting you say that I suppose
1: I never really thought about that before but mm. I, I do um I do hope that there's a kind of life or kind of drama or movement within the images so i think probably it does come through in in that way which is which is great but yeah i suppose the elements come come into it quite a lot you know like water and earth i was saying earlier growing up in birmingham birmingham is like a kind of concrete jungle really you know it's it's landlocked so i think maybe it it comes from that a little bit I, i would really relish any little bit of nature i could could find as a child and, and felt very connected to nature. But there wasn't a lot of it around really. Ah. In the so sort of, parks and we have in Birmingham, but but no sea or like Forest.
0: <laughs> so you create Yeah, create my own. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really great.
1: So this was for Charles Jeffrey Loverboy. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you.
0: I mean Thanks. congratulations to Charles Jeffrey but yes. also to you So this is sort of
1: to contextualize it a little yeah. bit, this is part of an sort of overarching collaboration between Charles Jeffrey Loverboy and Wedgwood, which is sort of a historic British brand uh, for pottery, they're famous for that. So this was kind of a lead up to the collaboration that Charles himself sort of painted onto Wedgwood pieces and created a homeware range that are for sale through through Wedgwood. Yes. And so all these amazing expressive uh, paint marks and ink splatters and, and, and beautiful kind of illustrations and, and detailed drawings that Charles is sort of known for. That's another part of the collaboration that... I myself, I'm not involved in, but it certainly sort of plays into the whole kind of collaboration between Wedgwood and and Loverboy.
0: So the collaboration was in place.
1: Exactly. And then Charles invited me on board to design and make these Wedgwood armor pieces for the show. It was definitely an exciting challenge and something that I'd never worked with before in terms of taking pieces of pottery and, and sort of putting them onto the body. This yeah. is major because,
0: <laughs> okay, let's put this in perspective.
1: So there are three main kind of armors or looks, which is the blue and white Wedgwood lion, medieval lion. There is the black and white armor, kind of almost like knight character. Then there is what I, kind of was inspired by f- thistle you know so the the dress is is meant to sort of evoke a thistle or sort of speak to that in terms of referencing a Scottish heritage you know for charles and his brand there's also the sword and the shield as well but the look for that was not from me that was from charles and his team
0: but uh, you did the sword and the shield yes that's right.
1: Yes, yes. yes right 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 so the wedgewood elements yeah really. so um three of them are kind of full looks and then the one is more accessories. <laughs>
0: So it's interesting because when they came out on the runway, they were not back to back to back. They they were sort of dispersed a little bit.
1: Yeah, so the first one you see is the model, the character with the shield and the sword. Uh, And that's quite early on. I think that's within the first eight looks. I think it might be the sixth look. And then the sort of finale of the show is the three kind of full looks with the lion being the very last. And the whole kind of concept behind the show, uh, These New Caroleans for Charles, was really investigating and looking at what does it mean to have a king? What does it mean to have this new King Charles be British? And to kind of subvert that a little bit to... to to make it almost a coronation for everyone, you know, to be focused on community, so not about one kind of figure, but to be kind of a coronation for all in a way, and a celebration of of everyone's kind of identity.
0: This particular show, what I loved about it was your work took it to another level, (laughs) and we're gonna get into that, but from just an aesthetic standpoint Mm. of the models Mm. and the inclusivity, it was very, normal what was normalized was the the notion of the outsider yeah. it was very queer yeah. it was belonging definitely an yeah. empowered belonging yeah. so the armor and the sort of beautiful collaboration set the tone of strength mm. but okay. in a way of play but serious
1: yeah Charles is very playful in the way he approaches yeah. collections and I, I love that and I, I really Totally agree with what you were saying in terms of it being celebrating diversity, difference, and, and like you say, things perhaps the body types, facial types, you know, that, that are maybe excluded from, from mainstream kind of fashion or, or couture fashion, even. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, a credit to Charles and his team and also to Sabrina, who does the casting. She has a great eye for, for bringing people in that will, will really represent difference and, and have a, a real strong look that is. S- special and at the same time ordinary you know
0: it's beautiful uh, yeah yeah so I love the show for those reasons and I want to dive into your pieces because sure. it was next level and <laughs> I want to better understand how you went about this do you consider yourself a fashion designer
1: I wouldn't say fashion designer but I mean I in the past have done costume and I think Costume for me is just another way to kind of put sculpture into a different context. So it's kind of on the body. So, in that sense, I'd mm-hmm. say it's kind of like wearable sculpture. I wouldn't really use the term wearable sculpture, but I think to describe it, but I think it is that practically that is kind of what it is. It's, you know, it's sculpture on the body. So, I don't come from a sort of like pattern cutting perspective. It's more kind of, I think about how you can transform. I mean, I suppose a lot of fashion designers do this anyway, but it's kind of sculpture that is dressed onto the body rather than clothing or garments made for a person, if that makes sense.
0: So is it a different approach to sculpting a set versus the body?
1: Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, I think that with both, you're thinking about how what you're making is going to interact with and accommodate the context it's going into so with the space you're really thinking about what are the bits in the space you want to work with what are the bits you want to hide and ignore you know are the all the elements of the space you want to draw out like if it's a high ceiling are mm. the little features like in the the autumn winter 23 engine room there were little details in the shutters that i kind of brought into details in the set so it all kind of tied together and in a way you're kind of doing that with um with the uh, Uh, kind of costume or kind of a fashion artwork piece that someone wears because you're thinking about how is it going to sit on the body how do you transform the shape of the person so with the lion i really wanted it to have height so i was thinking about how to to extend the body and still make it feel like a a real piece of armor so this was inspired by medieval renaissance italian armor and you know, considerations like you want the, the lion head to be visible. So if it's completely flat, you know, the eyes will be not seen from front on. So that's, again, when I'm sort of thinking about it in the context of a of how it lives on, you know, in a, on the runway from a photographer's point of view. You want to be able to see it's a, a creature at least, even if you don't necessarily get a lion from front on, you get that it's a creature. And you see the eyes, you see the face. So they look great.
0: This was the showstopper. <laughs> only because it covers the head it's very dramatic can you walk
1: us through this it's inspired by medieval kind of interpretations of lions if you look at those images of medieval lions they don't really look like lions (laughs) they they look like kind of weird kind of creature things and and that's been a really lovely thing is seeing how people kind of interpret it because it's Mm. essentially it's a fantastical kind of beast which at that time would have been a lion as well, you know, like in at least in in Europe. It's kind of a reference to kind of Herculean imagery. So the the kind of the mean lion that Hercules slays, and then where's the uh, where's the lion skin mm. as a symbol of kind of strength, and kind of playing with these kind of references to antiquity that that Wedgwood has you know a a lot of kind of ancient Greek imagery is is used in their pottery and so it's kind of speaking to that and also connecting to to the idea of uh, the rampant lion in Scottish um, heritage so the same way that the thistle dress is kind of uh, a reference to to Scottish uh, iconography I guess.
0: So it holds a lot of meaning from a heritage perspective definitely yes
1: yes yeah
0: does he have a name, or uh, she, or they?
1: <laughs> Doesn't have a name
0: actually. It's you know. not a scary figure. No, no,
1: no. And I think that that's part of the the thing that I wanted to come through was that because it's such a kind of joyful and kind of irreverent kind of brand and collection right. that it has this almost kind of like trickster mischief kind of element to it, so that it feels kind of a bit bizarrely happy, you know, and in, in a lot of those depictions of lions or beasts in the medieval times, they they, they do have these kind of curious expressions, you know, like yeah. they, they kind of look startled. Yes, uh,
0: when I look at the model mm. in her face inside mm. of it, it's so powerful. Mm. So that juxtaposition of playful, whimsical, but then very much like I can eat you at the same time
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah no, 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 tot- totally it's that yeah that combination of kind of strength and, and power and, and, and armor and at the same time this kind of delicate kind of rosy cheeked kind of model yeah. inside you know, yeah. you know like very kind of and, and this was one of the, the more kind of perhaps um, recognizable kind of um, approaches to kind of casting in, in um, Francesco um, uh does have that kind of more kind of uh, conventional kind of beauty?
0: Can you just walk through some of what the Wedgwood pieces sure. were? Yeah,
1: sure. So we have around the sort of snout, like around the nose, we have a christening spoon. So in the very centre, you can see a little kind of, kind of oh. rising up towards the sort of nostrils. That's a christening spoon. Either side of that is two halves of a, of a trinket box. That same trinket box, well not the very same, but the same design, the same kind of. Um, Uh, type of of trinket box, is also in the kind of bridge between the the nose and the eyes. Just either side of that, you can see a kind of curved piece that's sort of like the cheeks. Those are two sides of a little vase, a little Wedgwood vase. Handles? No, they're just, they're just kind of the main body of the vase. So that was when I'd become a bit more kind of pro at the, the cutting the wedgewood. So and cutting them was all done. Um, you, so this was a trial and error. And in the end, I kind of discovered that using like a diamond blade and, and cutting them in water was, was the best way to do it. It's very tricky because you'll get so far and sometimes they break. So that's a, a journey in itself. You know, wow. The <laughs> and then either side of the, the christening spoon, you can see little handles of the christening spoon they are like, almost like whiskers and the, the the spoon part of those, not the handle, but the spoon part of those is on the are on the uh, the glove, oh. which is actually articulated so you can move your your fingers in the glove and these metal claws are, are also in the the shoes from the collection, so there's a, a shoe in the, in the collection which has claws, which is kind of a, a kind of beast like piece of footwear and so it wanted to kind of we wanted to connect it to the clothing yeah um, it's really incredible. I tried various different ways of working with it and Then found that, because I really wanted to be able to to cut into the pottery, to be able to add shape
0: Uh. and
1: pick out certain details. But the materials, just to sort of give you an idea, it's like a a variform base, which is like a kind of thermoplastic mesh that was, uh, for these pieces at least, for the armour, like the breastplate and backplate, that's moulded around an existing metal backplate and, and breastplate in the thermoplastic mesh. And you heat it. That's how you, you get it to, to set. And then once it cools, it's, it's set. And it's very lightweight. But it's taken the shape then of, of the armour. Then the, the pieces themselves, the little wedgewood kind of trinket box lids and, and ashtrays. So we, we get like a mesh. We heat it over the back of them. And then let that cool. Then you add the glue on attach the mesh to the glue, <laughs> and then that is sewn onto the variform base mm. breastplate. And then there are various different stages after that, so I used the foam clay, which is often used a lot by cosplay artists. Mm. It's very lightweight, but it also has the kind of presence and, and effect of clay, which I really wanted to kind of speak to kind of the origins of Wedgwood and the fact that it's a pottery brand company. And then it's kind of painted into, in a way that references the colour, that kind of famous Wedgwood blue, but also it's still in line with the kind of more kind of punk aesthetic of Loverboy, that feels quite expressive and kind of there's there's a... I mean, I guess, like you were saying earlier, movement, that was definitely a consideration in the mark-making, was that I really wanted it to feel energetic and alive, and that this was something that you could see kind of the maker's mark in it, really. That was a big consideration. Makers'
0: right. mark, meaning yeah. your mark. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was assisted, so I had two great assistants, yeah, and, and Anna, and they were really helping with things like heating the fireform for the for the backing of the, the pieces and, and helping to attach them on, and they were they were fantastic.
0: So, and what about the scale of the shield and the armor? How did you decide the size?
1: So, I mean, wanted it to feel realistic, but at the same time, feel almost like. Um, there's a certain surreality to it as well. So it is. Um, I mean, it's it's a wedgewood handle, and there's wedgewood elements in the centre of the shield, but the blade of the sword is is actually a pleated fabric. Oh. So um, it's like heat treated to be pleated, as is very fine pleats, and that same pleating is on the shield. So it's this combination again of kind of strength and,
0: and uh, delicacy. So very Dada.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah, Yeah. I I love that.
0: So, this is Wedgwood, which is a big deal. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, Wedgwood is older than the United States of America, (laughs) just for reference. It's very, what is it, 1759? It is, yeah. Yeah. So, this launch of Mm -hmm. the new future or a creative collaborative spirit, if you will, and Charles Jeffrey Loverboy being the first. Yes, yeah, this is a huge honor. No,
1: totally. It's 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 really wonderful to to see the brand embracing a direction that, that that works with contemporary artists and works with fashion designers and and sort of breathes new life into into what is a historic brand and and that's sort of a credit to Alice Baston, who is the creative director of Wedgwood and um, yeah, I mean it's wonderful to see Charles as well bring his kind of. Uh, musical practice into to the collaboration. He's he's a singer and a, a musician, and um, really kind of literally sort of shake up the factory. You know he, that's where the the music video is set. And um, like I say, that's not um, really part of my collaboration. That's that's a separate thing. But it's it's wonderful to kind of be part of this this new story. You know that Wedgwood is is kind of embarking on.
0: And by way of Charles Loverboy, Jeffrey, mm-hmm. it's also mm-hmm. David Curtis Ring. Yeah, I mean I'm part of of that that narrative Yeah, Yeah, totally Yeah,
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm connected to that that narrative
0: It's fantastic So it's interesting They said on their collaboration Mm. Introducing the first collaborator at Wedgwood Under our new vision Mm. Yes, yeah Establishing a creative hub for artists Of trailblazers, innovators And industry disruptors To freely express themselves through Wedgwood So that's you
1: yeah, yeah, it's me as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I'm I'm really grateful to to Charles for, for bringing me on board and, and trusting me with these pieces. You know, designing these elements for what was an amazing show. You know, and and, and being part of like you say this this new kind of uh, venture for Wedgwood. It's wonderful and and wonderful to see them really kind of engaging with contemporary artists and, and creative.
0: How did that work? Did they open up the Wedgwood closet? How, uh, how did work?
1: <laughs> so I was working closely sort of, with Charles in terms of making sure that the designs were representative of the collection, of the themes of the collection. Um, and I was kind of in, in conversation with Alice uh but it was it was more for my role at least it was more about working on the, the pieces for the collection whereas charles i think was more in conversation with alice in terms of creating these homeware pieces See? kind of striking red backdrop and that amazing Wedgwood blue and then with charles his kind of signature kind of style of illustrations and arts so it was good to kind of to consider how the pieces that I was designing figured in the overall kind of context of the, of the Loverboy-Wedgwood collaboration. Right. Yeah.
0: And how did you get the pieces? Oh, yeah. So yes. the pieces,
1: I was kind of in direct conversation with Alice and also John Earnshaw from Wedgwood. And uh, they sourced vintage Wedgwood pieces. So they're all kind of pre-loved vintage pieces of Wedgwood in black and white, uh, in blue and white. And then we had the kind of an array of pieces to choose from, and, and it was... A case of kind of selecting what, what would work best for certain elements of the design, which was, you know, a, a really exciting challenge and, and kind of, yeah, element of the, of the process. Your work is fantastic. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me and for exploring the, the work with me. Thank well, you. stay
0: tuned for more work. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. <laughs> so it's really great. That. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Unbiased Label Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, then please connect with us on social media, tell a friend, and leave a review. Please tune in next time for more conversation on fashion and culture from a critical global perspective at the intersection of industry and academia. Until next time, stay well.